Show on Cape Talk, your number one news and talk station. The Money Show brought to you by the Old Mutual Investment Group. Do great things. Uh, we're doing the science of the boardroom this evening and maybe boardroom bust-ups. And certainly boards are things that are best left alone, probably. We tend to ignore them. They're full of high-powered individuals who know best and they do mysterious things behind closed doors and ultimately they determine the way in which companies are run and they're terribly important. Um, and we don't think about them frankly, until they go completely pear-shaped. And in the last year, we've seen the SABC have various eruptions as we've become used to at the SABC. We've seen SAA lurch from crisis to crisis. But we also saw two private sector boards in turmoil last year. HCI, Johnny Copeland and his uh, and probably his best mate um, falling out. And that was terribly disappointing from a, from an historical point of view. Um, we had Marcel Golding and, and Johnny Copeland really having a very serious fallout. And so that was a big boardroom bust-up. Then there was the other one, which was far more public, with Ketso Gordon um, quitting his job at PPC and then asking for the job back. And then that playing out in the public domain. Terribly undignified, but fascinating. So tonight, we've invited Len Konar in. He's a director of companies. He's on the board of seven companies, Len? True. Okay, on the boards of seven companies, uh, you're the chairman of Steinoff uh, and Exaro. So those are the two big ones. Um, you're a professional non-executive director, uh, a, a, a promoted academic perhaps, or maybe uh, an academic who chose to make a bit of money instead. Bruce, I was an academic for 15 years. I'm a chartered accountant. I have a master's and a PhD as well as qualifications in tax and risk management. And uh, after 15 years at university and 15 years ago, I decided to go full-time to be a professional director of companies. So I have an office, a researcher, a PA that manages my diary, uh, the bookings that I need to make, and I do this on a full-time basis. How? What was the first board you served on? first board I served on was at Eskom, 1985. I was a very young professor, and I joined the board of Eskom. And uh, well, how did that happen? I mean, 1985, South Africa was a very different place. It was, but uh, there was uh, a search for individuals to populate the board. And uh, I was invited to join the board, and uh, I found my first mentor that uh, has been a true inspiration to me, Dr. John Marie, who was the chairman of ESCO. John Marie, um, Jacko Marie, ex-chief executive of Standard his father. father. Yeah, okay. he's been a true inspiration to me, and he's been my mentor. And what was really fascinating, Bruce, is that at a relatively young age, he appointed me to chair the audit and the finance committees. So I got my first uh, experience of what it is. And the two boards that I now chair, Exaro and Steinoff, I've been the chairman of the audit committee of both those companies and then been elevated to the chairman of the board. Okay, we'll talk about those in just a moment because you have served the board of ESCOM. How long were you on that board? I was on that board for eight years. For eight years, so 2003. And I, there, yeah, and then I uh, left the board of ESCOM, but I still stayed on when Rural Koza was appointed and Tulani Gabashi. They uh, tapped into my expertise on the risk, on the audit mm. and the finance committees. And I spent another 12 years. So I spent 20 years with Eskom. Okay. Then uh, SAA, you spent some time on the board I there was, as well. Uh, I chaired the audit committee. And I must say in the four years that I was on the board, 1999 to 2003, they had three profitable years. So there is a way that SAA can be turned around. One needs to look at that. You need to look at the governance. 
and the uh, interference by the shareholder, either Transnet at that stage or by the Department of Transport and the Department of Public Enterprises. And I resigned from the board of SAA on the 8th of August 2003. Because of interference? I just didn't like the governance because if you're sitting on a board, the board needs to appoint the CEO. And the board takes the strategy to the shareholder and gets that approved. But if uh, Transnet or the Department of Public Enterprises was deciding on whether it was Boeing or Airbus, then it removes the board because the board had at that stage engaged uh, Frost and Sullivan to come in and tell us what the configuration of the airlines should be. So on a matter of principle and the governance, I resigned from that board. And the SABC? I served on the SABC early years, and I quit that board in 1993. And I chaired that audit and finance mm. committees as well. What is the job of a board? I mean, we, we've got, you've got people who do the, the, the real work in a company, and they, and they get the nuts and bolts tightened, and they get the products made and delivered. Then you've got executive management to make sure that that happens. And then you've got a board which makes sure that executive management does its job. Bruce, I think if you look at a board, and there are four bullet points, the role of the board is to consider and approve the strategy, number one. Because if you don't have a strategy at SAA or SABC, you're going to flunk it. The second is we need to appoint an effective CEO. So that's the role of the board and to look at the executive management and succession planning. The third is to ensure that we look at the budgets and we look at the achievements as far as the entity is concerned. And then we've got to monitor how the board functions and how it interacts from a governance point of view with its stakeholders. So that ultimately what successful boards do. Why are boards so important? I mean, one looks at the crises at the three boards that you have been a member of at, uh, in the past, the SABC, at SAA and at ESCOM, and the boards there have been, uh, been kind, ineffective. In recent times, at the time that Dr. John Marie ran it and Dr. Rule Causa, those were seriously effective boards. You had skills that were represented, for example, on the Eskom board, where you had three or four engineers that were non-executive directors. You had international members that populated that board. You had chartered accountants. You had legal specialists. They really took corporate governance seriously, and there was limited interference from the government. We indicated what our business plans were, and government said, yes, it's fine. Eskom was the lowest-cost electricity provider at that time. The same with the SABC. At that point in time, it collected the licenses, it ran a couple of channels, and then it increased its output. As far as SAA is concerned, uh, when you've got interference from a decision-making point of view, you'll have an ineffective board because you cannot run now to the Ministry of Finance or to the Department of Public Enterprises. You've got to get your strategy, you've got to get your shareholder compact approved by the board, and then you take it forward. And then on an annual basis at the annual general meeting, you meet with the minister, but you can provide quarterly updates, which you are required to do in terms of the Public Finance Management Act. But unfortunately, uh, these boards are not populated with the skill set that can drive these entities forward in the most professional manner. So when you've got uh, cadre deployment, for example, onto boards, you've got to look at what skill set ESKIM needs or what skill set the SAA or the SABC needs I'm all for transformation, but you've got to populate these boards with the rainbow nation that we have and the skill set, and there's got to be a respect on those boards and a non-negotiable as far as ethics and corporate governance. So if you've got those criteria in place, I can see our country being transformed, Eskom and the other entities 
also moving forward positively. Is, is that why we are in a mess as far as SAA, ESCOM, and let's leave the SABC out of it for the time being, but SAA and ESCOM particularly are great examples of, of entities that have had multiple managers in, in recent years, multiple boards, multiple strategies, multiple interfering ministers um, over time as well. That would, be, that would be a superficial response. I'm not on those boards any mm. longer, but looking at the corporate governance and the skill set on those particular boards. So you've had six or seven resignations from SA, really talented young people, but that understood governance, lawyers as well as uh, chartered accountants that were really doing a good job. So you've got to understand what fleet do you want, what's your long-term yeah. strategy, which routes are you going to fly? And I saw SAA today uh, in uh, an alert stating that they were cancelling the Mauritius. No, no, I saw that headline as well, but I clicked on it. Um, And it's just because there's a cyclone. It was Business Day being very naughty and getting traffic to their website. Um, So I looked at it well. No, they can't do that. Those flights are never empty. Agreed. um, Agreed. It would be great for Comair. They'd just simply fill up, take up the capacity. But no, it's because there's a cyclone. So it was a a very cheeky and naughty headline. But our assumption immediately is Nico Besaid notice shaking the cage as much as he can. And he's done well at Mango. One's got to give him credit. He's he's an operator. He understands to get the bums onto the seat, what the cost of an airline mile is, what the load factor is. So he's an operator with industry experience, and you need to support appointments mm, like that. Absolutely. We, we talk about these public sector boards like they're unique and they're a shambles and they're a disaster zone because of government interference. But the private sector in the last 12 months has also not covered itself particularly uh, in glory, has it? I mean, PPC and HCI have been spectacular public examples of what can go wrong in the board. But Bruce, that's a very, very limited sample and one needs to be fair about this. And all boards, Bruce, in my humble opinion, should have a crisis management plan in place. How do you handle conflict? And the Institute of Directors has put out papers through the Corporate Governance Network on dissenting directors. How do you address... Because you would think that if you've got a really good board of highly capable, highly skilled, highly trained experts in their particular fields, 10 or 12 people sitting around a table having a discussion of something of strategic importance, you're going to have 10 or 12 very different opinions, and those opinions have got to be managed. And that's ultimately the role of the chairman. And you would sit on boards like that at Exara and at Steinhoff where you chair those boards where you've got to manage the egos and the conflicts. Absolutely, Bruce. I uh, make a point of meeting with the CEOs of these companies. And you can manage the dynamics. And this is what is very important, that if you're the chairman of the board, as I'm at at Exaro and Steinhoff, I attend every committee meeting. I'm not a member of the audit committee, but I attend the audit, the REMCO, the safety. You're allowed to sit and watch, not necessarily involve yourself. I attend those meetings and I will offer strategic and tactical advice okay. from time to time. Similarly with Steinoff, I'm chairman of the board and chairman of the nomination committee, but I attend the social and ethics, the audit, the risk, the REMCO, all the committees, so I'm familiar. And then I meet with each of my board members on an annual basis. I meet with the CEO before the board meeting. I have an office at Exaro that I go to on a weekly basis. They pay me a handsome fee. And so I interact with Steinoff, with the company secretary, with the CFO and Marcus Uester on a weekly basis. We engage with each other. I attend the exco meetings of Steinhoff, which are chaired by Marcus. And he would ask Bruno Steinhoff and myself, as non-executives, Len, what do you think of this particular deal? Or can it be structured differently? But I'm not actively involved. I'm an observer and I will make strategic inputs. As an advisor. As an advisor. But that's the role of the board, isn't it? And then I can manage the egos of the individuals. And I'm blessed 
in that I've met some real, really effective directors like Brian Connellan, Derek Cooper, John Marie, Russell Loebscher. And then I look at the Steinhoff board and I'm blessed to have Yanni Moton on the board, class down. And you look at the serial entrepreneur who's had enormous success, Christo Visa. Mm. I'm humbled in their presence and I'm chairing but their board. these are extraordinary individuals. How do you cope on a board where you've got Yanni Moton, who's created a 20 billion rand business in 20 years, Christo Visa, who's one of the wealthiest people in the country from scratch um, with the creation of Pepcor and, and, and ShopRite and, and Invicta and other, other entities as well, and now with his involvement in Steinhoff. These are people who are not shy of an opinion or two of their own. They are, but they are humble enough when they come to the, to, the, to the board and they allow me to chair the board meeting. They give me the flexibility and I engage with them. And I think this is what is extremely important, important that Beki Sibia should be utilizing at PPC or the chair of uh, HCI in that you have an in-committee meeting at the start of the board meeting. And I will meet for 30 minutes with my Exaro people or the old mutual or Steinoff. And we discuss matters in committee. Mm. And I engage with them on the basis, Bruce, that these are the big decisions today. And I would say, Marcus, I don't think we're going to reach a conclusion on this particular deal that you put onto the table. Or SIPO, I'm going to kick for touch on this because I think we need to do more work. So you discuss that in committee and then when executive management joins you, they are mindful of the direction that the meeting is going to take. Please pop your headphones on because we've got a couple of questions coming through this evening. Villa in Ruhrdeport. Sorry to keep you holding, Villa. You've got a question for Len. Yeah. Uh, good evening, Prof. I was very fortunate as a young man to have worked at the Independent Development Trust when uh, Professor Connor was there. Uh, and well done on his achievements. And thanks, Bruce, for having me on the line. There's just one thing that really baffles me and I fail to understand. Uh, Prof, what is so difficult in assisting private sector companies that most of people like you who have been long in the field, what is so difficult in assisting them to transform from a real uh, uh, underrepresented company in terms of the demographics of the country to an effective, effective representative company? I mean, I don't have to go into the names of companies. You and I know the private sector is riddled with companies that underrepresent black people, especially Africans. What I need to understand is what is so difficult? Why can't we drive that agenda of representativity? Because that is the aspect of sustainability in the long term. We cannot have companies that are lily white, that continue to thrive in a democracy that is 20 years old and Villa, thank, thank you so much for your call this evening. Villa and Rudaput, um talking about a failure to transform, especially in private sector boards. Villa, I think that's a very valid question. And uh, boards need to look internally. And uh, you get prodding as far as representation by females as well as transformation candidates. But the ball is in our court, Villa. I've served on boards for the last 25 years. And you've got to be humble and you've got to be passionate. And when you go to board meetings, Villa, you've got to make a difference. You've got to have an opinion. You've got to challenge, but you've got to do it in a non-threatening manner. And unfortunately, many of the boards that I'm associated with, where we have candidates from a transformation point of view, they make up the numbers. And what I'm saying is that we need to be more assertive. And we go to the board and we raise these questions. And what I've been blessed with, as I've said, that I've had Dr. John Murray and I've had a friend in London Villa that has been my mentor for the last 20 years. 
how do I go to a board meeting? I get the papers early, and this applies to all the candidates. And if we are going to transform this country, our transformation candidates, we need to up our game so that when we go to a board, the questions that we raise make people sit up and take notice. So when I attended a board and I learned from Derek Cooper and Brian Connellan and Russell Loebscher that asked questions that got to the nub of the matter. So if we are going to succeed, we need more role models like Professor Wiseman and Kushlu, Rural Causa, that are serving on boards that could mentor candidates that are independent, that have got the integrity and have got the courage of their convictions to say, guys, you're not doing enough as far as the transformation agenda is concerned. So we have got to be involved. Yeah, and it's got to be really tough. I mean, sitting across the boardroom table from a Christo Visa, for example, and saying, I disagree with you. I mean, you've got to be sure that you've got four million facts and a few spares in your in your arsenal um, to take on people like that who are very strong-willed and independently minded. Not not really, Bruce. Christo Visa is humble enough to attend the board meeting. And he said, I think you can do it like this. Have you considered this particular aspect? And... It's what the way is, also you approach it. What is, Where PPC went wrong was they just, they, it was just, it seemed like a, a, a dogfight in the boardroom. It seemed very destructive. It's laudable that you've got these individuals like Yanni Mouton mm. that would ask, have you thought, instead of having that script dividend of paying out in cash, and what would the implications be of moving money around the globe as far as Steinoff is concerned, yeah. as far as Exaro is concerned, if we issued script, what would that do to the BE holding in the company? And what percentage would take, take up a script instead of the cash? So these are perceptive questions. And board members, my plea is transformation as well as all other candidates that have been empowered. Please find yourself one or two mentors that could guide you, that you could bounce off ideas so that when you go to a board, they would say, wow, you know, I wish I could have asked the question that Len asked or Brian or Derek. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's, it's about earning the respect on, on, on boards of directors. When we look at the sort of calamities that have hit South African boards in the last couple of years, is it about ego? Is it about the failure of the chairperson of the board to manage the ego of the chief executive? Or so some people are simply not being in a boardroom in the first place. Bruce, there are many factors, many factors, but the chair needs to play a vital role. And the chair is somebody uh, that can provide the leadership and he can mend uh, these particular egos in a, in a constructive manner. But it is about the chairmanship, isn't it? Absolutely. Mm. I mean, when one looks at something like an SAA, it feels, I mean, one flies SAA and the food is hot, the drinks are cold, um, the seats are comfortable, there's enough leg room, um, and you get from A to B with few incidents. It operates as a functioning entity very well except it's not profitable, um, and it, it's in constant boardroom turmoil. Is it possible to fix the politics of SA? Absolutely. You need to sit down with the minister and indicate to the minister, if you look at JetBlue or Ryanair or Southwest Airlines, they are seriously successful airlines. How do they get it right? So can we not utilize some of the knowledge with those particular airlines and embed that but into we've got SAA. Ten, ten turnaround plans in ten years, almost as many chief executives over that period of time. One gets the sense of just fatigue and exhaustion and a sense of hopelessness when it comes to... Bruce, in an industry, sometimes you need to have an industry expert leading it. Sometimes you might... Coleman Andrews? 
Coleman Andrews was very effective as a CEO. He was highly paid, and his exit cost us two hundred and eight million <laughs> in, or thereabout in in two thousand money in yes. two thousand and two money. <laughs> yes. yes, but he knew what he was doing. Yeah. So if we look at the roots, we need to understand that how profitable they are, and, SAA, not be, and not be dictated to to run a Beijing route if it's not going to be profitable or a Brazil route. Yeah. So if you look at SAA, we've sold the most lucrative route. We've sold the slot at Heathrow into Cape Town. So if you want to fly into Cape Town, you come to Johannesburg and then fly off to London. Uh, it, yeah, there have been some pretty silly decisions taken. Um, how long do you keep running boards for? Bruce, You've been I'm, doing it for 25 years. I'm passionate about what I do. And as Danny Cronier said at the SAPI AGM. Is he still involved in boards? Absolutely. He's one of the most effective chairs that I've come around. He's an incredible individual. He is. He's yeah. focused and he chairs a meeting in three, three and a half hours. He asks the right question and he's strong enough and assertive enough to say, please, let's not go there. Let's focus. So as long as I'm wanted on boards, Bruce, and I've got uh, many, many invitations, both locally and overseas, I'm committed, I'm passionate, I'm teaching at two universities and I'll continue doing that. Where do you fit it all in? Bruce, I'm a workaholic. I really <laughs> enjoy what I do, and uh, I've got the infrastructure to do what I want to do. And uh, you've got to also be passionate about working at the IOD and the King Committee, understanding governance. You're busy with King 4 at the moment, aren't you? I mean, the latest round of, of governance. We have uh, indicated that from the IOD, and we are revisiting King 3 and the principles and how could we have uh, a code that would be more succinct and uh, can be applied uh, intelligently and uh, not be a tick box approach going forward. There we go. Len Kona is the director of companies, is the chairman of Sinoff. He's also the chairman of Ixaro, uh, talking about the science of the board and how it all works. Len Kona, thank you so much for giving us your time this evening.